Hello and welcome to The Download. I'm your host, Dave Richardson, and we are joined today by the unanimous favorite guest on the, on the podcast, Sarah Riappel, who manages portfolio solutions at RBC Global Asset Management. What are you? You're sort of like president and head or uh, CEO <laughs> and head of, uh, of everything at RBC Global yeah, Asset Management? Just say master of everything. That probably captures it. Excellent. That's a new title. So uh, that's good. Uh, post-pandemic titling is, uh, is coming soon uh, to a company near you. Uh, Sarah has, uh, Sarah manages uh, billions of dollars of, well, actually well over $100 billion of, uh, of portfolios. And so I always like to check in with Sarah to get her, to get her thoughts on positioning of portfolios, given the current economic circumstance. Uh, I don't think there's anyone better in Canada to talk to about this. So so Sarah, we, we, we've seen an uptick in volatility over the past couple of months, uh, weeks in both stocks and bonds. Uh, mm-hmm. What's your take uh, on this and what, what it means for investors? Yeah, for sure. We've seen a you know, strong upward movement in equity markets since the pandemic lows. You know, we've been cautioning investors for a while to expect increased volatility. And there's a few things that have caused investors to be a little bit more nervous in recent weeks. So, you know, virus continues to be a challenge for economies, uh, most predominantly in developing nations where vaccines are a little bit less available. Um, You know, the pandemic has disrupted global supply chains. We're hearing a lot about supply chains over the last few weeks. So it's hampered the flow of goods, um, causing shortages and price increases around the world. Um, you know, companies have started issuing negative guidance, so that's causing some slight downward revisions in earning expectations. So we have to keep an eye on that very closely, given where valuation levels are currently. And we're also getting negative headlines. You know, just think about Evergrande. So it's one of China's largest real estate companies, and there's you know headlines about its ability to meet its debt op- debt obligations. And so we're hoping that that will be resolved um, by the, the Chinese government and because they're looking for a swift resolution. But, you know, just some around the edges, just some signs of, of investors getting more nervous. So, um, you know, it's important to remember that we always expect some volatility. Um, you know, markets go up, but they also go down. So volatility is not something that's new for us and not something that's unexpected. Despite all of the headlines and volatility over the last few weeks, GDP forecasts remain quite good, um, historically speaking, as does the profit outlook. So, you know, against this this backdrop of good growth and moderate inflation, um, we remain overweight stocks in the asset mix, holding a little bit of extra cash on reserve to protect against volatility, but also to take advantage of opportunities as they present themselves. Excellent. So that's uh, that's a bit on positioning. Now let, let let's get to I I, I think. The, the, the toughest question that I'm getting asked by investors these days um, as I'm out talking to investors quite a bit this time of year. And, and that is, it, it, it's specifically for more conservative investors who would you know, mm. typically be in a more conservative oriented portfolio that would hold quite a bit of fixed income, quite a bit of, of bonds. Yep. And we have you know, the potential for rising interest rates, all kinds of talk about inflation. What are your thoughts on how more conservative investors should be positioning their portfolios? Yeah, well, I mean, government bond yields continue to hover near their lowest levels in like the last 150 years. And so we don't believe these ultra low um, yield levels are sustainable down here over the medium to long term. So a rising yield environment has important implications for investors who hold bonds in their portfolios, as you said, particularly those those conservative investors. You know, from current levels, even a slight increase in yields would result in, in low or potentially negative returns for sovereign bonds. 
So what are we doing about it? Well, we're tactically underweight bonds in the asset mix. I just mentioned earlier we're overweight equities, but that means we're underweight bonds um, in the asset mix. Yeah. A year ago, we also changed the strategic asset mix to shift more to equities and away from bonds. So we're lowered the bond weight both strategically and tactically. So that's important. The pressure on yields will be most prominent in sovereign bonds. So we're moving out the credit spectrum and incorporating more investment grade corporates in high yield securities. So that should produce better returns, even in a rising interest rate environment. And we're also adding alternatives to traditional sovereign bonds, such as real estate and absolute return bonds within the portfolios. And we're looking at other ideas and other types of investments in, that could diversify our exposure, such as mortgages and infrastructure as well. So the bottom line is in an environment like this, investors, particularly the more conservative ones, need to evaluate whether their portfolios are positioned to achieve their long-term goals. You know, that being said, though, I also don't want people to lose sight of why you hold bonds in the first place, because they do provide income, diversification and liquidity within portfolios, especially in the face of equity market volatility like we've seen in the last few weeks. Sarah, if, if, if I'm looking at a conservative portfolio or a very conservative portfolio versus one that's more growth oriented and we zero in on the equities where you're going to be a little bit overweight relative to where you may have been historically, Mm -hmm. Is are, do you would, would the, the the equity portfolios look significantly different between a growth and, and conservative portfolio? Yeah, so the fulfillment that we have within the portfolios is going to be more towards income oriented and dividend paying value oriented stocks on the more conservative portfolios, and more growth type stocks, smaller mid cap type securities on the on the more growth portfolios. So we do adjust the mix within the equity portfolios to account for the conservative nature of those funds. Yeah, and if, if you if you listen to a couple of the previous podcasts that we've done with uh, Stu Kedwell, he talks quite a bit about dividends and the mm -hmm. uh, the, the opportunities uh, in dividend stocks, per particularly in Canada. So let's finish off then with uh, with equities. Uh, mm -hmm. How much of their portfolio should they allocate to equities? And and that's in with the backdrop of you know equity markets at all time highs. Just just how do you position your portfolio in in that environment? Yeah, well, it's important to look at the backdrop. So the S&P 500 has more than doubled from its March 2020 lows, and many other global indices have um, climbed to new records as well. So we have an expectation that the economy will grow at a good pace next year, which should lead to continued earnings gain and provide support for equity markets. However, stocks do appear fully valued at these levels, so continued earnings gain are going to be coming increasingly critical to maintaining those valuations levels where they are. So while valuations are elevated on their own, that's seldom the case. It's not going to cause a bear market. Um, they do make stocks more vulnerable to shocks and could lead to, to greater periods of volatility like we saw in September. But it doesn't automatically mean high valuations doesn't automatically mean we're going into a bear market. So that is certainly not the case. You know, we have to recognize, though, that these elevated valuations and the fact that earnings have recovered to their long-term trends, it, it's unlikely that we're going to see similar gains going forward like we've seen over the past 18 months. So we're going to have to lower total return expectations. Our base case forecasts are sort of mid-high single digits for equities over the year ahead, which is well below the experience of the past 18 months, but still superior to our expectations for fixed income, which is why we remain overweight stocks and, and underweight bonds within the asset mix. Yeah, and, and that's something that uh, that we talk about quite a bit, that when whatever markets get expensive, either bonds or stocks, and both bond and stock markets we, we would characterize as being a little expensive, mm -hmm. that you expect more volatility and yep. you expect uh, you, your expectations for returns go down. Not negative, necessarily, but your expectations go down. 
Yeah, well, investors have just, have just come to expect very high returns from, from markets over the last, uh, especially over the last 18 months. So it's just import, important to temper the enthusiasm a little bit and caution investors to expect lower returns than they've experienced over the most recent period. Yeah, but stick to your plan, have a diversified portfolio, and that should uh, should carry weight. And there's there's no one. The, actually, uh, grand chief of uh, diversification, maybe. There you go. That, we're going to add that to my title. Sure. Why okay. Not? Very, very good. Sarah Riappel, always great to catch up with you. Thanks for, uh, thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much. This recording has been provided by RBC Global Asset Management, Inc. for informational purposes only and is not intended to be investment or financial advice. You should consult your own legal, accounting, tax, investment, or financial planning advisors before engaging in any transactions.